Look, Abner comes to you. Why is it that you sent him away? And, and he has already, he's already gone. Surely you realize that Abner has come to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you're doing so that he can just wipe you out. So when Joab had gone from David's presence, he does something trick. He, he does something sneaky. He sends messengers after Abner who brought him back from the well. And so Abner's thinking, well, there might be some further information that I need to know. But little does he know there's a conspiracy against him. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. It took some time for David to settle his kingdom because of animosity among the military leaders. As a result of the meeting between David and Abner, Joab was angry at David because he let Abner go without arresting or killing him. Joab feared Abner was a deceiver, a double agent working on behalf of Ishbosheth. Abner killed Joab's brother, and Joab was the avenger of blood from Eshael. And as the chief general of the former King Saul, Abner had a lot of top-level military experience. Abner might take Joab's place as David's chief military assistant. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes chapter 3. And gold and all those things. We see that in 1 Samuel 17. And then what happens after this? After David wins the battle against Goliath. And 1 Samuel 18, beginning in verse 17, says that Saul said to David, Here's my older daughter, Merab. And this all sounds fine and good. This is part of his reward. I'll give to her, you know, to you as wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines do my dirty work, basically. And so David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my life and my father that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Meholathite, as a wife. So Saul does this, he, because he's so jealous and he hates David so much, he promises his daughter, but right before they're married, he gives her to someone else. How would that make you feel? <laughs> it's not a very good thing. And so... He tricks David. And so David, or King Saul, finally gives to David, not Merab, but his younger daughter, Michal. But he puts a proviso on it. He says, well, I'm not going to give you my firstborn daughter, even though I'm supposed to give her to you, and I promise. But, you know, it's okay. I'll give you to Michal. I'll give you to her. But I want you to do something for me. I want you to go kill 100 Philistines and bring back 100 foreskins. You can have her as, that'll be your dowry payment for my, my lovely daughter, Michal. So David brings back 200. <laughs> he brings back 200. And so, 
Not only did Michal belong to David, originally, lawfully, but having her now back with him solidifies Israel's confidence in David, seeing that Michal was one of his wives and a a member of Saul's family that kind of makes the other ten tribes and, and Benjamin feel much more comfortable coming to David, knowing that he's marrying and bringing back into his house Saul's daughter, making things right. So David, verse 14, sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michal, whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel, the son of Laish. And then her husband went along with her to Behurim, weeping behind her. And, and honestly, you think of this, this is really sad. So, you know, even before, um, you know, when, when David was married to Michal, remember he was on the run and she had let him out of a window and he, fl- he fleed for his life. And uh, as a result of that, there were probably a couple years where he didn't see her because he's on the run from her insane father who's trying to kill her, kill him. And so Saul gives Michal to someone else, his wife, to this Paltiel. And think of how this, how this works now. Now David wants her back. So Saul's youngest son, Ishbosheth, goes to Paltiel and says, um, I know my father gave you to her, or gave her to you, but she really belongs to David. Come with me, young lady. And so she goes. She doesn't appear to be complaining too much. But Paltiel, poor guy, he's walking behind her crying. Can you imagine just the horror of that? You know, thinking you're married and then your, your wife is being taken away from you. But she was legally David's. Now verse 17, back in our text, it says, Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, In time past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then do it, for the Lord has spoken of David. Notice, here he is again saying that God has done this. And he says, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and all the hand of all their enemies. Abner knew very well what was spoken of of David. And where was it written about David and his reign over all Israel? Didn't God say that to Samuel to tell to David? In 1 Samuel 13, what did it say? Beginning in verse 13. It says, Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. And this is after one of uh, Saul's uh, acts of disobedience. Samuel says to him, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, over his people. Not just Judah, but over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. There it is. There's part of it. What about in 1 Samuel 15, verse 28? It goes on and says, Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom. Samuel says to Saul, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Who is that? David, he's torn it away from you, torn the the, the kingdom of Israel, the whole entire thing, not just Judah. Do you see it? 
seems fairly obvious, but he's talking about the whole thing, all of Israel. He goes on finally in, in 1 Samuel 16. What does it say? The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Who is that king who is supposed to reign over all of Israel? David. So God gives to Samuel. Samuel speaks. It's written before everybody. They can see it. Everybody knows about it. Certainly Abner knew about it. Rebelled against it. But he knew, and so he's saying it now. He's very convenient now. It's a very convenient thing for Abner to say, Oh, by the way, I did hear some good things about you, David. Yeah, I was talking to, I heard from Samuel that, uh, you know, that you're supposed to be the king now and uh, over all of Israel. Yeah, I heard it, yeah. And so trying to ingratiate himself with the king. So Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And Abner said to David, I'll rise and go and gather all of Israel. And so that's what happened. David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. And, and here, you know, again, Abner is trying to win favor with the king and bring all of Israel to him and say, here she is, you know, the rest of the kingdom. And I'm sure Abner's thinking to himself, oh, it'd be really nice if I had a really nice car and a really nice house. And David, I'm sure, would have given him some kind of reward, perhaps. And he's trying to ingratiate himself. But then the plot thickens. Now, who killed Joab's brother, Asahel. Who killed him on the hilltop? Do you remember who it was? It was Abner, right? So, at that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid. They brought much spoil with them, but Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and for he had gone in peace. But when Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king. He has sent him away, and he has gone in peace. And then Joab came to the king, and this is where he gets angry with him, because he doesn't understand what has just transpired. And he's very suspicious of Abner, naturally so, right? Because Abner killed his brother. He's on the other side of, of, the, of the battle, in a sense. And he comes to David and he says, what have you done? Look, Abner comes to you. Why is it that you sent him away? And, and he has already, he's already gone. Surely you realize that Abner has come to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you're doing so that he can just wipe you out. So when Joab had gone from David's presence, he does something trick. He, he does something sneaky. He sends messengers after Abner who brought him back from the well. And so Abner's thinking, well, there might be some further information that I need to know. But little does he know there's a conspiracy against him. And so David did not know it. Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak to him privately. And you can see that. You can just see him coming. Hey, uh, Abner, I, I got something I need, to, I need to tell you. Something happened today that um, I really can't talk to you in front of everybody. I need you to come. I need to talk to you privately. What is it? A little closer. What is it? Oh, it's really good. You're not going to believe this, man. What is it? A little closer. And as he gets close, he reaches down, he grabs his dagger, and he thrusts it into his stomach. 
And isn't that exactly what Abner did to his brother Asahel? He took the blunt end of his spear and ran it right through him. And it came in here and went out the back. And Joab says, I'm going to do the same thing to you, pal. And he does it. He stabs him right in the stomach. What's interesting about this is this happened in Hebron. It happened in Hebron. If you remember in Deuteronomy, it talked about a cities of refuge. Hebron was a city of refuge. A city of refuge, and you can read Deuteronomy 19. We're not going to take the time to go there. But it talks about there's certain cities placed all throughout Israel. From the north, on each side of the Jordan River, there's three on this side, on the west side, and then three on the east side. And they were places where if somebody accidentally or inadvertently killed somebody, naturally the family, the men in the family, are going to go after him. They call him the manslayer. Or, or, or the, um, the avenger of blood, I'm sorry. So the manslayer is the one who accidentally killed somebody. So what they would do is, if they got to the city of refuge before the, man, before the avenger of blood got to them, they were safe. And Hebron was one of those cities. And here, he is slain. And it's what is a city of refuge, even at this time, Joab slays Abner, not because of a battle, out of revenge and anger. When he gave Asahel several times, several opportunities to stop coming. He gave him, don't come, don't come, stay away from me. I don't want to do anything to you, Asahel. Just leave me alone. Go after somebody else. Leave me alone. And he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen. And so he had it coming to him. And he died. It wasn't his intention to kill the young man, but he did because he was defending himself. But, he, but now Abner is murdered in cold blood, in a sense, right there in a city of refuge, which was kind of like a double whammy against Joab. We'll learn as we go through David's life that Joab was one of these men. He was just a, he was a really interesting character, not in a good way either. Very treacherous man, very treacherous man. So verse... Uh, 28, it says, Afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. And let it rest on the head of Joab and all his father's house. And let there never fail to be in the house of, of Joab one who has a discharge or is a leper, who leans on a staff or falls by the sword or who lacks bread. And so Joab and Abishai, his brother, they killed Abner. Evidently, they were both there, complicit in the killing of Abner. Because he had killed their brother, Asahel at Gibeon. Notice what happens to, to David. And, and this is one of the wonderful things about David that I, I find. And I pray that we can all have a heart like this, that we don't hold uh, grudges. And even though you have an enemy, and there, there, there came a time when, when David, his, his subjects became a little confused because... He wasn't rejoicing when these things happened. He, he was rather mourn, mourning for them. When, when Saul and Jonathan died, I can understand him you know, sorrowing over Jonathan, his best friend. But Saul, really? The one who's been hunting you for seven years? And now, you know, Abner, the, the commander of Saul's army, he, he, he dies. And most people think, well, David, why aren't you smiling? The kingdom is yours now. I mean, who's going to come after you now? 
But see, that's just the, the heart of a, of a real man of God is not just the, the ends justifying the means. He, he cared about people, and he wasn't going to take somebody's life for no reason. He wasn't going to go against and, and kill a man in cold blood unless they had to go to war with each other. And then the, the rules of engagement change. But David was such a, a wonderful man. It said that David said to Joab, to the people who were with him, tear your clothes. Notice, he says it to Joab, the one who killed Abner. Now Joab and all you guys, tear your clothes. It's a sign of mourning. Gird yourselves with sackcloth and mourn for Abner. And King David followed the beer, the, the coffin. He's following the coffin and he sings a lament. And here's the lament. He said, should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put into fetters. As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. And he's, he's, he's speaking of his own, uh, his own cousins, isn't he? He's speaking of Joab and the sons of Zeruiah. These are people who are related to him. These are his cousins and his people in his own family. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food, it was still day... And David took an oath, saying, God do so to me, and more also if I taste bread or anything else until the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it. And notice, and it pleased them, since whatever the king did pleased the people. And, and again, what another great hallmark of David. You know, he, he just lived his life and made decisions in such a way that the people really understood his, they, they understood his genuineness. They understood who he was. He wasn't just a man who was power hungry. He wasn't a killer. He was a warrior, but he wasn't a killer. He was a decent man. He was a good man. He was an honest man. For all the people, verse 37, and all Israel understood that day. Think about it. By Joab killing Abner, doesn't that just throw a wrench in the works now for the rest of Israel coming to David? Now David's general kills their general on Saul's side. I mean, that would, from all practical reasons, you look at that and you're like, it's, it's over now. I mean... They're not going to listen to me. They're just going to come and they're going to raid and they're going to kill us all because we killed Abner. But they see David's behavior. I love this. They see his character and it's genuine. And people can tell. Can you tell when someone is fake and when someone is real? And when you see somebody who's really genuine in their, in, in their, their actions, doesn't it move you? It changes you. And it changed this whole nation as they began to see David. He, wasn't ups, he was very upset that this has happened. He, 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 he sings a lament after the coffin, telling everybody to, you know, to mourn for Abner. And they understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. And then the king said to his servants, Do not eat. Do, not, do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I am weak today, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zeruiah, these nephews and of mine, he says, they are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. And you know what's really surprising to me is after all of that, you know, David still allows Joab to be the general of his army. And think of how small Joab must have felt after hearing this. I mean, think this is a very solemn moment. They're, they're, they're mourning for Abner, and David says this. First he exalts Abner 
and who he was as great general or, you know, a good man in Israel. A great man has fallen. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, he says this before them all. How would you feel if your family member gets up in front of everybody and says, these sons, these sons of Zeruiah are too harsh for me. The Lord will repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. Speaking of them, speaking of Joab and Abishai, who killed him. Pretty interesting, isn't it? But just to see the decline of Saul's dynasty and to see the treachery of, of Abner and to see the, the treachery of Joab. And, and it's a real sad story, isn't it, to, to, to see that. But as we look today, we, don't, we, we see these things happening. We see these things happening. But again, I love David's heart. He had nothing to do with it at all. You know, it's a good thing to be innocent of evil, to not have anything to do with the powers of darkness. Keep your hands clean, Christian. Keep your heart clean. Keep your thoughts clean. Don't be complicit in other things that people are doing. Even when it's very inconvenient, and and especially when it's very challenging, especially when... you're around people that you love and they expect you to do a certain thing and maybe you owe them something and don't go into their, don't play the games. Don't get wrapped up. Don't feel obligated to sin so that you can appease somebody. Never do that. Let's stand and let's pray. Next Thursday evening, Pastor David will be sharing... We will be in the Adirondacks uh, camping uh, this Saturday until the following Saturday. So pray that we, uh, um, (laughs) I I joke around about black bears and stuff like that, but there are black bears up there, and I hear they're very hungry. And so uh, just pray for us that we have a good time. If the weather be nice, and, um, and pray for those that are going with us, that we would just enjoy that time together. But... Let's bring our hearts before the Lord, and um, and I know that my brothers will bless you as they open the word as, as I'm gone. So, Father, we just uh, thank you for uh, this passage today, Lord, and Lord, it's such a uh, a discouraging thing, Lord, just to see such recklessness, such um, such destruction, Lord. And your word is true; it says there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. Lord, the things that are happening that we read about are happening today. Just different technology, a different time period, but Lord, it's all happening. And Lord, help us to be ambassadors and help us to live lives, Lord, that we don't get wrapped up in these things. That we're not an opportunist like Abner, Lord. That we're not a killer. (laughs) And maybe not a physical killer, but just a a killer of, of speaking evil about people and talking behind their backs. Lord, help us not to be slanderers and backbiters and, in a sense, murdering others with our words in our hearts. Help us not to be like Joab, God, but rather help us to be like David, who is merciful and gracious. Certainly not a bloodthirsty man, but a man of honor. Lord, help us to be men and women of honor in these days that we live, that the world would see that we are your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.